0: podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk Somebody else who wasn't very well Um, was this chap called Lazarus. And this morning's miracle um, is very much regarded as Jesus' greatest miracle. Um, And for obvious reasons, really. Um, Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, and you'll you'll be able to read the story in John chapter 11. It goes from uh, verse 1 all the way through to verse 45, really, is where we pinch from this morning. Um, so rather than sort of have 45 verses, um, and, and I already felt like I needed to give you a story to wake you up. I feel like you're almost with me now. <laughs> Essentially, this morning, as we're going to have a look at this story, rather than read the whole thing, I'm just going to try and give you a, a brief summary. Um, Jesus' friend, Lazarus, falls ill. Jesus doesn't go and heal him, as you'd expect. Rather... Jesus says, I'm going to hang on, and then four days later, when he arrives at Bethany in Judea, Lazarus is dead. So it's gone from Lazarus being ill and Jesus being told, and obviously at that point would have been told, I would imagine, the gravity of the situation, and Jesus decides that the best thing for me to do is to hang on. But in that, when Jesus does arrive at Bethany, Jesus gets to the funeral, but it's not the standard funeral as you would anticipate or expect. Rather, Jesus has the stone rolled away and Jesus stands at the entrance of the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out alive, And well, his grave clothes are removed, and he gets on with his life here on planet Earth. 45 verses there. But it's a a pretty significant and amazing miracle. And so many witnessed all that happened. And that's a real key for us as we'll start to just unlock the story. When Jesus first got the news of Lazarus being ill in verses 3 through to 7, it's fair to say, as we've already made reference to, that he didn't really react how you'd expect him to do. Really how you'd react, especially when you know that these two were friends. And even the introduction that we get, the one you love. Verse 3 through 7. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jesus says in verse 4 that it won't end in death. But you're left scratching your head, aren't you? Because actually it does indeed end in death. Well... It's halfway through the story. It's halfway through the story. Verse 11, our friend Lazarus, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And he says, but I am going to wake him up. First of all, question, have you ever seen it? How does Jesus know he's dead? Nobody told him. Nobody said a word to him. In fact, he was told that Lazarus was ill. Now Jesus, as we can then grasp supernaturally, has understood and knows, because he is the author of life, he knows full well that Lazarus has now died. And it's also fair to say, in this scenario and in this story, that although Jesus delays his visit, Jesus is not messing around often we can think of a delay as, oh, God's got his eye on something else. He's busy elsewhere. You know, here I am crying out to him and I'm not getting any answers. We can only assume that he's busy doing something else. Ever thought that? Subconsciously. <laughs> you may not have even aired it in your own mind, but you think, you know, God's not got time. There's just too much going off. I can, you know, sort of grasp. Here I am just pouring my heart out and Nothing seems to be coming back. But in fact, his delay in this story benefits every single person in the story. Isn't that amazing? And we'll start to unlock that now. Every single person benefits from Jesus' delay. But at the point, let's just make this clear, they could not and wasn't possible for them to see it. Ever been in that situation? Lord, I need it and I need it now. Because otherwise, I am going to be in a mess. Listen, you don't understand the gravity of what's going off here. But if you don't come now, Jesus, Lazarus is going to die. And nothing happens. And you're like, Lord, what? Are you not listening? Have you stopped caring? Why would you not be coming now? How long are we going to wait? So much so, we've waited that long. You're now at the funeral. In verse 4, we see that the delay benefits Jesus, and let me just make this clear, verse 4, this sickness will not end in death, he's told them, he's made it clear, but how often in the noise, how often in the mayhem, how often in the tragedy and the difficulty, how often do we not hear, how often are our ears blocked to the Lord saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I can't hear you because there's too much going off. How often does this happen in our own lives? And Jesus says here, this sickness will not end death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Verse 25, also we see the benefit then to Jesus and to his ministry. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He could not have made that any clearer unless Lazarus had passed. He couldn't make it any clearer. He had to make very clear who he was. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. But also, the benefit was there for his disciples. Verse 15. Have a look at that. Verse 15 then says, And for your sake, as in the disciples, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Let me just read the start of that verse. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'll read the latter half again. So that you may believe, let us go. <laughs> Jesus, your friend who you said, we were there, is not going to end in death. Your friend is dead. And now he's saying, so that we might believe. Might believe what? What do we believe in? Because this is now a terrible situation. If you now know that Lazarus is dead, we're in a bit of a mess. And not only that, the disciples, they did not want to go back to Judea. They did not want to go anywhere near Jerusalem. The reason being that they'd just been ushered out of the place. They tried to stone Jesus. Only a few days, weeks earlier, Jesus was being literally rounded up to be stoned. They had stones in their hands. And the disciples are like, let's not go back there. In fact, let's not go back there. He's dead anyway. Yeah? Let's not go back. Thomas, bless him, uh, he, he exercised a tiny bit, exercises a tiny bit of, um, what do they call the word? Loyalty. Um, but his faith is, well, it's slight. Uh, then Thomas, verse 16, um, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. <laughs> Thomas, mate. <laughs> You ain't been listening, have you? Anybody else like that? (laughs) I I put myself in that. I am in that category so often. Yeah, let's go. Woo! I've not listened to anything you've said. What are we doing? (laughs) So his disciples were about to understand and were about to see, so the delay brought benefit to them. And then lastly, well, not lastly, because, of course, Lazarus and his family, well, they received the full benefit, but uh, the penultimate, is that right? Verse 45, um, as we get to see here, the Jewish onlookers benefited greatly from Jesus' delay. And Alistair brought out a story this morning um, about the um, triumphal entry, which again points out how the benefit to the Jewish onlookers was huge. Let's have a look at verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, remember they were at the funeral, and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. How could you not? They have seen a man who has been inside a tomb, which they were—he knew. They knew he was dead, completely and utterly dead. In fact, Martha says to him, "Look, it's probably best you don't open the—you uh, don't open the tomb. He's been in there four days. It's a hot country. It's probably best we leave that shut." And Jesus says, "No, no, no, no." You know, Christians, so often for us, we have to be switched on to God's timing, not our own. And that is a huge thing all the way throughout the New Testament, particularly with this story. It brings it into absolute plain view. You know, God's timing is not our timing. It never has been. It never will be. Because if it was our timing and on my desire and on my command, we would not be where we were at. And the same with you. Because the truth is that God knows. He has the full picture. The Bible tells us he's the beginning and the end. So therefore he knows. He's mapped it all out plainly for us in his word. We can see what's going to happen, but the bits in between we don't get. And God is rolling that out. He is playing that with us so that we can see. As he plays it out, we get to grasp his magnitude, his magnificence, and who he is, his sovereignty, that he is in control of all things even the bits where you think no he's switched off he does not switch off he is god he put the stars into space he knit you together in your mother's womb he knows every hair upon your head believe me believe the word he does not take his eye off the ball amen he absolutely does not take his eye off of the ball. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, if you're an underliner or a highlighter, it's such a well-known verse, but uh, times you can forget to highlight them because they're so well-known. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Lord, I want straight paths, so I'm going to do it my way. Nobody's ever said that, have they? That's, No. Lord, I I want it to, listen, I know what the end result is. I'm just going to go, just going to make it happen. As the crow flies, that's what I'm going to do. And we get halfway there and we've tripped up five times and we've had to detour because we hadn't realized that there was something in the way that we didn't know were going to be in the way. And the Lord says, trust in me. Lean not on your own understanding. Just acknowledge me in everything and I'll make your path straight. (laughs) Yeah, but you're too busy. No, listen, listen. He's repetitive all the way through scripture. Trust in him, lean not on our understanding. And the other thing that we have to realize with the way that the Lord deals with us, and and I guess this is sometimes avoided by preachers because, well, I think you have to, there's a a level of maturity to it that actually God brings these things into our life to grow us. (laughs) Who'd have thought that? You know, he brings these things into our lives so that we can start to mature, that we can actually put trust and faith in motion. And when that happens, it grows. When that happens, we begin to realize, don't we do that with our own kids? You know, I say to Hugo, jump, and he will jump. I say to Jack, and he questions it. He's like, you've dropped me before. (laughs) But you see, with God... We continually know and we get to grasp every time we do jump, he will always catch us, always. And that's hard for us to grasp outside of Christ because perhaps we've not seen it firsthand. But when we know and love the Lord, we start to see it over and over again, that he does have everything in motion. And it allows us then to grow and to mature. Things come into our life as life does, and God uses it to grow you. He uses it to help us to be spiritually mature. Paul tells us, um, as he teaches us through the New Testament, to crave that solid food, no longer that mushy stuff, but actually craving the meat to the bones that we want to grow, we want to be mature. And when we say to the Lord, Lord, I want wisdom, and that's a good thing to do, it's a wise prayer to pray. Lord, I want wisdom. Lord, I pray for wisdom. You're just going to get it, or is he going to put things in your life that enables you to start operating with wisdom this is this is all about growing up and it's all about stepping into what god's got for us and being fully assured that he is in full control and that requires faith it requires trust to know that god has got it And even in the bad times, and and let's just nail down into this situation and scenario, this life event, it doesn't get any more desperate, does it? Does it get any more desperate? Jesus attends a funeral. There are loads of people there mourning with Mary and Martha. The sadness is such that Jesus himself, it says, Jesus wept. And when you realize the, the magnitude of what's happening, it's sadness, it's heartbreak, it's hurt and it's pain. And we say, Lord, I want to grow. I want to be mature. I want wisdom. But can you be four days earlier? <laughs> can you be four days earlier? Because I don't know whether I can handle this situation Because all of a sudden, it's completely and utterly beyond my control. And at that point, at that point, we either dig in and we grow, or we run in the opposite direction. Jesus, as he gets to Bethany, he's greeted by the sad news. And as we've said in verse 35, He weeps himself. He weeps, you can imagine, because the sadness of humanity, so caused by our choice in that garden where we decided to go our own way and then sin, the curse of sin, is upon humanity and those that we love, the inevitable, is to happen unless the Lord returns. Amen. But Jesus, well, as he comes into this situation, his weeping passes and the joy comes because Jesus came to bring life. As he approaches the tomb in verse 38, he asks for the stone to be removed. That's important. We'll get to it. And this happens. And then Jesus then prays in verse 41 and verse 42. So in uh, making uh, fully aware to those around him that he's praying so that they can hear and they can understand. And then Jesus calls into death. He says, Lazarus, come out in verse 43. And of course, what else could Lazarus do? Dead as he was. What else could he do? When the author of life shouts into the tomb, what is he going to do? He is going to come out. And Lazarus comes out, grave clothes still on. Can you begin to imagine the shock and the awe in that situation? It's unimaginable, isn't it, almost? Jesus then asks them, again, very important for us. Jesus asks them to remove his grave clothes and to let him go in verse 44. Jesus, as he's told us, is the resurrection and the life. And he calls to you and he called all that a few years ago to me. And the joy is that he called to so many of you and you've heard his voice. And what else can you do other than get up and get out of death and step into life? And we have that same opportunity today for those that don't yet know him as Lord and Savior, that he calls to you. But you have to listen and you have to heed the call. What did Lazarus do? He didn't go, do you know what? I'm going to stay here. It's lovely in here. Surrounded by death and, and that. Of course he didn't. We laugh, but isn't that what we do? Sometimes it takes... So long to realize and to understand the joy and the benefit of the gospel that God has given us life through his son Jesus Christ, that we can miss it and we can say, no, I'm happy in my grave clothes. I'm happy in here. It's great. Lazarus heard. He stepped forward. But there's something in there for you and me, Christian, as we start to read that, that Jesus needed someone, or Jesus, should I say, used someone to remove the stone and Jesus used someone to remove the grave clothes. Why is that important? You know, we have to see our role in the gospel, don't we? We have to see our role in the gospel. Matthew 28 says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Remove the stone. Go tell people. Go show them. Share with people. Love people enough to give them the opportunity to hear the very word of God. Even if that is just the way that you live, love people enough, love humanity enough, care enough to step out of your comfort zone and push away the stone. Share and love enough to do just that. And as a gospel-centered church, that is what we focus on, living out Christ so that people might see. Isn't that who we are? Isn't that what God's called us to? To open the way so that people might see Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit will do the rest. You see, often we can put so much pressure on ourselves and go, "Oh well, I, oh, I don't know whether I can," and "Oh, I'm not sure whether I've got the you know, to be able to say the right words." You know, just love people enough to give your best and allow God to do the rest. Amen. Allow God to do the rest. If I got up here every Sunday with the pressure of if he or she does not get saved, how will I ever speak again? Do you know, church, it's nothing to do with me. All I can do is bring the word of God. All I can do is share the gospel. And then it is for that person to hear the calling of the Holy Spirit on their life. It is for that person. Because otherwise I wouldn't get up in the morning, truthfully. Because there are times I think, why, Lord, come on. But we have to know that his timing is perfect. He has it in control. And that's what gets us up. And that's what allows us to step into the unknown. That's what allows us to do it time and time and time again. Not because of me, but because of him. And what's he asked me to do? Preach the gospel. What's he asked us to do? Love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. What's he asked us to do? Live out Christ. So therefore, we do just that and we know that God, through the Holy Spirit, will do the rest. And then should the joy be, and we've experienced it, I'm sure, so many times of somebody asking the Lord into their life. Church, the truth is that the grave clothes are still on. There's still bits on me. The old self, the sin that refuses to depart from me. And you are exactly the same and we need those around about us to love us enough again to say, come on, let's take that off. You don't want to be in that, you don't want to be around that, you don't want to be centered around that, you want to unlock the life that you now have. You know, so important for us to love again people enough to help them and to share with them and to care for them and to take off their grave clothes. Don't keep them on. Why would you keep on death any longer than you have to? I speak to myself. Why, oh why, oh why would you keep death on any longer than you have to? Has Christ not set you free? Amen? What a joy and a privilege Imagine. Lazarus, the stone is removed. Out you come. And you know the impact, too, of those people that would have rolled away the stone. The impact, too, of those people that would have taken those grave bandages off of Lazarus. The impact that they would then have and say, do you know what? I was there. I was there. I helped remove the stone. And then Jesus shouted in and the guy came out. I was there for that. You see that in your own life? The testimony that you have as people are saved, that the excitement that that brings, you know, I was there. I was there. I wasn't actually in the room with June, but I remember June getting saved in the kids' room in there. And I was stood just outside, and I knew exactly what was going off. And to this day, I know exactly what was going off. And I was stood just outside. I was looking through the window with John and Crawford, and both in there, June asked the Lord into a heart. And that, for me, was magnificent, and I won't forget it. I got the privilege of sitting with Anita as she asked the Lord into her life. And, and, well, she read a prayer to me. She's not here, so she can't tell me off. But she read a prayer to me that blew my mind. And there she asked the Lord into her life, and that has impact and has influence on us because it gives us excitement. God's got this. He's got this. Just keep doing what he's called you to do. He has got this, and he will reach into people's lives. Trust me, church, when he says he will reach into death. The very gates of hell are not going to stand against him growing his church, amen? And we're here this morning as testimony to that. We've knocked through a wall. Please, God, let's have that one as well. And that way, it's probably going to be a bit skinny. We'll take the big factory up the road. But we want to break down walls and barriers, but that only comes by our faith to say, God, you've got this. And even when it looks like it's desperate and dark and only sadness prevails, God says no. No. You wait. Trust me. I've got it. I have got it. And we say, yes, Lord. I'm listening. I hope. You know, it's a great privilege that we have as a church to be able to share and a great privilege that we have to be able to love and my encouragement and my challenge to us this morning, to all of us, including myself, is to not miss these opportunities because God is bringing them for us. There was a, a few ladies came last week um, and these are people that need praying for, that come into the service and you see them and you maybe only see them once or twice and they're here perhaps on a Tuesday. People are just passing in and out. You know, as a church, there's maybe 150 people footfall during the week. That's a lot of people. You might know 40 of them. There's a lot of people that we don't know. Our responsibility is to pray for these people, to love these people, and by God's grace, that as they hear the call, that they step out of the grave and they come and receive Jesus as their own personal savior. This is an amazing miracle, and it shows the picture which is to come that we will celebrate soon as we come to the time of Easter, of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And you know what I know from that? the grave could not hold him amen this has been a podcast by hope church gainsborough for more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk